God is good. Amen. 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 We should be able to clap for that, right? Because God is good, right? <laughs> I heard somebody coming, but I, well, I heard the door open. <laughs> Don't worry, I can see. Lord, Lord got us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, you know, uh, it dawned on me that the second song say, you know, the enemy's defeated. You know, within the, one of the lyrics, well, the lyrics in that is the enemy's defeated and he is defeated. You know, and we were doing the uh, I Am series and, you know, I talked about how it's important to know who Jesus is as I am. You know, he, he, God let them know who he was. He let Israel know. He let Egypt know. Um, I am who I am in Exodus three fourteen, right? Because what we have to understand is Egypt had different deities, right? And they had different deities. Some were a God of fertility. Some were a God of death, God of life. But God is saying, look, I'm a God of everything. Right. And that's important for us today that we understand that God is God. Amen. Right. And, you know, sometimes we can go through our life and our daily routine and, and we can forget. Right. And, um, you know, like I said, we just go to our day to day activities or we may face obstacles or different stressors in our life. But we can rely on that. God is God and that we can rest in Jesus and that God is in control no matter what the situation is. Right. We don't know why some things happen to certain people. Or some things happen to other people. Right. But regardless of that, God is still God. Right. So we know that. Uh, and I think Marsha talked about it a while ago that death is an enemy. Right. Death is an enemy. And. You know, it's OK to mourn. Right. It's OK to mourn uh, people that we lost. But we have to understand if death is an enemy to God, that death is an enemy to us, right? Because God didn't create death. Death wasn't created for us, right? I should say, right? Death is because when he created Adam, he created him for him to live all the time, right? But sin brought death into the world, right? And those are things that we, we have to remember. So death is going to be a part of this world until Jesus comes to rule and reign, right? And But the good news is, Jesus defeated death, right? Jesus defeated death, right? So, yeah, that's a whoop for that. He defeated death. So, you know, for those who don't know Christ, when they die, they die. They're going to, you know, eternal suffering, right? But when we die, we sleep, and we wake up in God's presence, right? We wake up, we get an escort to God's presence, right, where we can just praise and we can worship him. And that's a good thing, right? So because death is defeated, we don't have to be afraid, right? We don't have to be afraid of anything that goes on in this world, right? We may have, like, sometimes we may forget that, right? But we have to remember that resurrection, right? And, and, and that, that's vital. So let's turn to John chapter 11. And we're going to just walk through this chapter. Well, we're going to try to. John chapter 11, we're going to go through most of this chapter here. John chapter 11, and we will begin at verse 1. And I'm sure we're all familiar with this story, right, of Lazarus, 
right? And, but we're going to walk through this, and it'll just be a good reminder for us. Still have some pages turning, so. All right, so John chapter 11, we'll begin at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And I'll read that again. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? So let's stop right there. So understand, at this point, they received, they, they, uh, Mary and Martha, they're sending the message to Jesus. But when they send this message, when they first send the message off to Jesus, Lazarus was sick. But by the time the message gets to Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Right? Now, John tells us here that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Right? But he delays still two more days. Right? Knowing, now at this point, the disciples don't know that he's sick yet. Right? They don't find out, they'll find out here in a couple of verses, but they don't find out that he's sick until Jesus tells them. But, I mean, no, Jesus is all knowing. Right? This incident didn't catch Jesus by surprise. Right? So, let's keep going. Verse 8 again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. So, he said in verse 4 that this sickness is not unto death, right? Remember that because we're going to get to that later on. We're going to come back to that because that's a clue. <laughs> that's a clue. And then also he says here in verse 11, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. That's, that, that's a clue, right? So when we get down to a, a particular verse here, we, we got to remember those things, all right? So Jesus, again, he, he, he delayed a couple of days. So by the time he gets to Lazarus and uh, Mary and Martha, it's four days have passed already, right? And now, tradition will have it when somebody died in a Jewish culture, they buried them within the day, right? Because they didn't have the embalming like the Egyptians had, right? So they will bury them within that day. All right, let's look at verse 12. Let's go to verse 12. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. So the disciples don't know that he's dead yet. Right? So, they're just saying, hey, if he sleeps, he's going to get well. So, basically, he's resting. Alright? So, let's continue to walk through the chapter. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So, he had to tell them plainly, right? Because they didn't know. But Jesus knew. Verse 15, And I am glad for your sake. So, this is somebody who we love, 
But Jesus is saying, I am glad. Right? I am glad for your sakes. Right? That's another clue. Right? So that's clue number three. For your sakes that I was not there. That you may believe. Right? That you may believe. That you may believe what? Not that he's the Christ. Because at this point, Peter had already confessed him as the Christ. Right? So what does Jesus want them to believe? Let's keep going. Nevertheless, let us go to him. See, Jesus knew what the outcome was going to be. He knew that life was going to be uh, restored. Excuse me. Life was going to be restored. Grief was going to be comforted and many more will believe. And guess what? His death will be set in motion. Jesus' death will be set in motion. Because shortly after this chapter, what happens? He goes and they start screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? And then after, uh, the, once word gets back to the Pharisees, and we'll see, I'm jumping ahead, <laughs> that that's when they start plotting even more to kill him. And verse, chapter 12 tells us that not only do they plot to kill Jesus, but they're plotting to kill Lazarus as well. All right, uh, where was, uh, 16, thank you. Then Thomas... We all know Thomas, right? We like to say Doubting Thomas, right? Let's let's read about Doubting Thomas, okay? Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. That don't sound like somebody that's doubting, right? That sounds like somebody who is loyal, right? But we like to call him in the church today, Doubting Thomas. Not realize many of us probably would have doubted. Some of us still doubt Jesus. In certain things that we do. Right? We, we're praying. We're believing God for some things. But yet we still doubt him. But then we want to pick on Thomas. And call him doubting Thomas. But Thomas is loyal. And see. We don't know for sure. But what would have happened. If they would have came to arrest Jesus at this point. Maybe Thomas probably wouldn't have ran. Right? Because he said to his fellow disciples. Let us go that we may die with him. That's somebody that's loyal. See, because one day we may be fine. A week later, we may, we may be a little bit weakened, right? But then we're quick to judge other people sometimes and not realizing we all go through different emotions and waves and things like that. And those are things that we have to remember, right? So that goes back to having love, having compassion and understanding towards people. Because right now, Thomas is standing tall. And Thomas is saying, look, Jesus, I ain't going with him. No, he's saying, let us go. All right, let us go. All right, uh, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha... As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Right? We could take that one of two ways. Right? We could take that as in, Lord, yes, if you would have been here, my brother would be okay. He wouldn't have died. You would have prayed for him. You would have healed him. Right? Or it could be a, a guilt trip. Lord, if you had been here. He wouldn't have died. Right? So with this saying right here, she recognizes Jesus as a healer. But she doesn't recognize him as a resurrector. And that's important. All right. So let's keep going. Where was that? Uh, 22. Thank you. 
But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So now, Martha, she's thinking past tense, Lord, if you would have been here, right, then my brother would not have died. And she's also thinking future tense. Yes, I know he will rise in the last day, but she's not thinking in the I am, the present. Right? And sometimes we can be like that. We got to remember, we're in the I am, we're in the present. Jesus is not just God of the past, God of the future, but the God of the present. And those are things that we have to remember. Martha could not see that at this point. So, does Martha recognize Jesus' deity at this point? No. She doesn't. Because she doesn't see Jesus as someone that could raise Lazarus from the dead. And the thing about it is this. At this point, Jesus has already raised two people from the dead. In Judea. So Mary, Martha, and all the disciples are aware of that. But they're not thinking about it. Right? Because the other two that he raised were more than likely within a 24-hour period. Right? So now Lazarus has been dead four days. So now they've kind of settled in saying, all right, Lazarus is dead. Okay. And now they think in future. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't claim to have resurrection and life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Right? I am. That present. I am right now. I am the resurrection and the life. So, life is standing before you. Resurrection is standing before you, Martha. All you got to do is believe and ask. But she can't see it yet. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Right? Do you believe this? So that's the question. Right? That's the question. (laughs) All right. So let's go to verse 27. See her response. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is to come into the world. So she recognized Jesus as, again, teacher. She recognized him as the Christ, as the Messiah, right? The one who was supposed to come into the world. She recognized, but she doesn't see him as a resurrector. She doesn't recognize him as the one who has power over death. She recognizes as the one who, yes. He has power. Jesus, you have power to overcome sickness and disease, to heal blind eyes. But uh, this one might be too much for you. Because my brother's been dead four days. How many of us get like that even when we just have a friend, family, just on a sick, sick on a deathbed and we just give up? But Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And these are things that we have to remember. So at this point, her words demonstrate that she doesn't believe that Jesus can raise Lazarus. Right? Even though she's aware, I'm pretty confident she's aware that Jesus has already raised two people. But the fact that Lazarus has been dead four days, she's considered it finished. Done. Right? But we got to remember, 
Death is the enemy. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. Death is the enemy. Verse 28. And when she has... That's the worst I'm at, right? 28. Yep, 28. Thank you. And when she has said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. So let's stop right there. So Mary, remember, back when Lazarus was alive and they were in the house, right? Mary, Martha was the one that was cumbersome, right? She was all over the place. Martha's doing the same thing here. Because Jesus asked her a question. She gave Jesus her answer, but she didn't wait for Jesus' response. She just left. Martha was just, she's anxious. So anxious people usually can't sit still, right? Anxious people, their thoughts start running wild. And they can't, they can't hear. So have you ever, we, we, I'm sure we all talk to anxious people. Some of us are anxious, right? We've talked to anxious people, right? But they can't receive what we're saying. Because their mind is worrying, wondering, and guess what? Her brother just died. Right? But she has the God of life right in front of her, talking to her, asked her a question. And she didn't really answer his question. Do you believe this? It's a simple yes or no. Right? Simple yes or no. He didn't ask for a yes, but... And that's what we do sometimes. We give a yes, and then we give a but... Martha gave a but. Alright, let's finish going through the chapter. Verse 32. Then, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, she says the same thing that Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I wonder if they recognize that he delayed two days. Right? Again, Mary saying the same thing Martha saying, that, Lord, you are a healer. So if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many of us would have felt guilty by that if somebody said that to us? Right? That's a, that's a natural feeling to feel. Okay? Verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. So, so Mary was weeping. Those who were we, uh, with her were weeping. So when Israel faced, when somebody died in, in, in the Jewish community like that, they all came together and they all mourned, right? So this weeping here means to wail. Basically, you're bawling your eyes out. You're crying. Why? Because naturally, they're upset, right? So they're still in the mourning phase, right? So you may mourn for anyway from seven days. They mourned Moses for 30 days. They mourned Aaron for 30 days, but you will mourn for at least seven days. So now, this is the fourth day. Right? So, they're still mourning. And then, the family's not the only one mourning, but the community is mourning. So, he groaned in the spirit. So, what does groan mean? Groan means to have anger. This is why some scholars say, if you read some books, they'll say, 
Um, Jesus was angry because of sin and because of death. But I'm here to tell you, that's not why he was angry. Why? Because, guess what? He had already raised two people from the dead. Jesus knew what he was about to do. Remember those clues that I said at the beginning? So, he's not upset with it because Jesus recognizes that I'm stronger than death. I'm over death. Death has no say once I speak. Right? So, he's not angry because of sin or death. Why? Because even all the sicknesses that Jesus has healed at this time is a result of what? Sin. So he's not, a, he's not upset or angry because of sin or death. Can't be. And then, verse 33, end of verse 33, he says, he was troubled in his spirit. So trouble means to agitate, to disturb. So what is he agitated? What is he disturbed about? Let's keep reading. He says, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. We're all familiar with that verse, right? So we all say that's the shortest verse in the Bible, right? We all know that, right? But actually in the Greek, it's not. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 is actually the shortest verse in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the original Greek. But Jesus wept. So now what we would say, scholars would say, well, guess what? Jesus saw that they were upset. Mary and Martha was upset. That's why he wept. No, 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 no. Again, understanding what the true Greek word is. That wept means not bawling and wailing like I talked about the weeping. It means a tear shed. But why? 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 Because, again, Jesus said what? This sickness is not under death. So, Jesus already knows their mourning is about to turn into joy. They don't know it, but Jesus knows it. So why is he crying? Well, not crying. Why is the tear shed? Let's keep going. Verse 37. And some of, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus said, then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. Again, so they're saying, look, could not this man. So this is the third time they're making this accusation. Now it's the people. Could this man have kept this man? Could Jesus, yeah, could this man have kept him from dying? Right? Again, another guilt thing. So Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he had been dead four days. So now, Martha's like, What are you doing? He's been dead four days, so we know a, a dead body, what? Decomposes. Right? It's the smell. I don't smell enough of them. <laughs> My line of work. Trust me. It's a, it's a smell you don't get rid of very easily. <laughs> but, so now, Martha's what? She's not believing. Because it, it, it's basically that, what, what are you doing? Alright, so let's keep going. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if, that word if, remember, two-letter two, two word, right? A powerful word, it presents a condition. He says, Did I not say to you, if you will believe, you will see what? The glory of God. So that means Martha was not believing. Because he says, if you will believe. Right? So that will probably tie into why Jesus wept. Let's keep reading. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place 
where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who were standing by, I said this, that, you, that they may believe that you sent me. Right? That they may believe that you sent me. But they already recognize that he's a Christ. Right? So why would Jesus shed a tear? Right? Let's turn to Luke real quick. Let's look at the other, uh, Luke chapter 7. Let's look at the other examples. Just to, just to see, so we can see that he's not crying because, well, he's not shedding a tear. I keep saying crying, but he's not shedding a tear because they were upset. He's not shedding a tear because of the fact that Lazarus is dead and they're upset and they're mourning. No, Jesus already recognized that. Again, their mourning is about to be turned into joy. But they don't know that. All right, Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 11. 11 through 17. We there? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Amen. Now it happened, the day after that, he went into the city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had what? Compassion on her. <clears throat> And said to her, do not weep. Right? Now, you just, she just lost the only son. She's a widow. But the Lord is saying, do not weep. Right? What is that to tell somebody unless you know what you're about to do? Because it's only natural for you to weep when you lost a loved one. Right? Do not weep. Verse 14. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they did what? They glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. So that report, just of that one resurrection right there, went throughout all the region of Judea and the surrounding regions, right? Shouldn't Mary and Martha be aware of that? The disciples who were there, shouldn't they be aware of that? All right, let's go to Luke chapter 8, verse 40. All right, uh, yeah, verse 40. We're familiar with this, and I'll skip around. Uh, all right, verse 40. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named J Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at, at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians could not, and could not be healed by anyone. All right, let's jump down to verse 49, get back to J.R.'s. So while he was still speaking... Someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. So, Jairus went to him, just like Mary and Martha sent the message, right, for Jesus to come pray for his daughter. Right? But now Jairus receives a report that, hey, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. So, they see him Jesus as teacher. Right? But they recognize Jesus as hell. Same as Mary and Martha. So, let's see what happens with Jairus. 
Verse 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, Do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And she will be made well. This man just got finished hearing that his daughter's dead. Right? So in his mind, that's finality. In our mind, that would be finality. But he's talking to I am. Let's keep going. Uh, where am I? Uh, all right. Do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. Well, 51. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. So that means Jairus was still present. Right? So Jairus went to him initially to get to, for him to come pray over his daughter. Jairus received the neighbor report that his daughter's dead. Jesus says, only believe. Right? So he doesn't put Jairus out with the rest of the people. He wants Jairus right there. Right? So that means Jairus is still believing. Right? Jairus does not know him like Mary and Martha. He, Jesus spent time with Mary and Martha. Jairus knows about Jesus. And I'm sure he probably saw Jesus pray for people, which is why he sent the message to go to his daughter. But Jesus says, only believe. So the fact that he leaves Jairus and the mother in there means that they're believing. Verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. Again, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. Again, she's not dead. He's telling, he's telling them, do not weep. Right? Verse 50, and they really ridiculed him. Who? The people that were there. The mourners. And they also, Israel also have professional mourners there. That would go around mourning. Helping the family mourn. The friends mourn. Right? That was just their culture. Right? But they ridiculed him. Because again, the people like Mary and Martha didn't see Jesus as the I am. The resurrection. Alright, so let's keep going. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. Verse 54, but he put them all outside, took her by the hand and called saying, little girl arise. Then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what happened. See, Jesus didn't embellish. Right. Well, how many people in the church today we embellish about things? God moves to us. Now, hey, God did this. God did this. God used me. Here. You got, I am, and he's not embellishing. So neither should any Christian be embellishing. All right, let's go back to John. So why did Jesus groan? Why did Jesus shed a tear? I'm willing to submit to you, he did because they did not believe. They did not believe. You had Mary and Martha who was fully aware of Jesus. Jesus spent time with him. Here he was on his way to go to the cross. And guess what? They didn't believe that he could raise their brother from the dead who had been dead for four days. Now, watch this. The fact, why is that important and significant? Because the fact that they don't believe that Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead, how are they going to believe he can raise himself from the dead? Because Jesus said 
that he's going to take his life and he's going to take it back. He said that. I think it's John chapter 8 or 9. We read it, right? So if you can't believe for him, the I am resurrection, to raise your brother from the dead, how are you going to believe me when I'm telling you I'm going to rise? I'm telling you I must die that I may rise again. That's why he shed in tears. Those who were closest to him, here he was approaching his time to go to the cross. And they yet still don't believe in who he is. It wasn't the fact that he was angry because of sin. It wasn't the fact that he shed a tear. No, it's the fact that they doubted. They didn't believe. They believed the past. They believed the future, but didn't believe the present. That I am the resurrection. And we got to be careful because it's not different today. But yet, we will point the finger at brother, sister, so-and-so. But every one of us probably been guilty of it. Right? Because we go through life. We get hit with Oscar. Just like we see Thomas was loyal one minute, and then he fell the next. Right? Even Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was loyal in one minute, cut off the person's ear, and then next thing you know, he's scattering. Right? Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. So this was so loud that it will penetrate the catacombs. That, that, that's when he's, uh, that word loud there. It, it, it's an enormous, an enormous loud that provide an echo. Lazarus, come forth, verse 44. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Right? So they just saw what took place. The Jews just, and now they believe in him. And I'm sure Mary and Martha believed in him. Right? So now, again, their mourning is now joy. Amen. Right? And now they have something that they're not going to forget. Verse 46, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. See, just because miracles take place don't mean everybody's going to believe. How do you see a miracle like this and then you focus on going to tell the Pharisees? All right, so let's keep going. Verse 47, then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what shall we do for this man works many signs? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. Well, here's the funny part. Rome had already took away that nation because they couldn't do anything without Roman permission. So I don't know what they're talking about with the nation. So they were more concerned about their position. position. Right. So this is where, again, as Christians, as leaders, we got to be careful on how we carry ourselves. Right. Are we more caught up in the title? Are we more caught up in the position? You know, there's people that will leave a church, have a position in church, but won't go to another church because they're afraid that they feel like they got a, they don't have a position or a title. Yeah. But there's no starting over in the kingdom, so that tells me they don't know who they are. And that tells me that they're not, they don't recognize the I am. Because there's never starting over in the kingdom of God. No matter if we switch churches, going from a, big, a small church to a big church, there's no starting over. I can't tell you how many times throughout the years we've changed churches. And, you know, the natural mind be like, okay, yeah, you go. But God moves. God shows the pastors, the leaders, 
uh, there's something different about this couple. Right? But we, we get caught up. I know somebody today still not going to church because they can't get the position <laughs> that they once had. Again, they're caught up in a position. So they're no different than the Pharisees. So what blocked them is what blocks people today. Positions. Right? Possessions. Right? Wealth. Lifestyle. Keeps people from giving. Right? You would think the more that you have, the more you would give. But it don't usually work out that way. Right? Because if you give when you don't have, you're going to give when you do have. Amen. Right? And also, another P is passions. Right? Passions being the sin. That holds people back. And another one, pride. Because it all encompasses pride. Right? And we, we can't be like that. And, and we have to recognize, we have to stay submitted to Jesus. If we stay submitted to Jesus, then we can stay submitted to everything. We can stay grounded and, and be in humility. But truth be told, we don't do that sometimes. And then we will still say we're submitted to Jesus, but we're not. Because if we say we're submitted to Jesus, but then we become prideful with pastor so-and-so or brother or sister so-and-so, then we're not submitted to Jesus. Or we become prideful with our supervisors, then we're not submitted because we're supposed to be working unto who? The Lord. Right? But we forget that sometimes and we're like, hey, you know what? Jesus loves me, but <laughs> when we have that but but see that if is there right so we, we, we have to stay submitted we have to stay surrendered to Jesus Christ and, and, and it has to be something that we see and we recognize because a lot of times we can talk it and see the thing is the words and y'all hear me say this words tell a lot about what's in our hearts word tells our words will tell us whether or not we're holding on to unforgiveness Right, so even when I talked about that post that I was going to post on Facebook, that's how I recognized I was in unforgiveness. What was coming at my words. I was like, well, I'm not talking like somebody who's forgiven. But I'm talking like somebody that's still holding on because that's what was in my heart. Right, and we got to be careful of those things. And that's why we have to stay submitted and prayed up before God because we can quickly get like that and not even realize it. Because so-and-so did something. Trust me. I've left churches where pastors hurt me. And I'm like, you know, I've forgiven them. But then I talk about it. That means I truly haven't forgiven them. Right? It should be to the point where I should be able to pray for them without being hindered. That's me loving them. That's me walking in obedience. Regardless of what they do. Regardless of what anybody does. Right? So... Understand, Jesus is, I am. He over every sickness, every death, right? He is, I am, right? Because, yes, people still die. People die today, right? People die today. We've all lost loved ones and friends over the years. But guess what? If they know Christ, they're alive, waking up in his presence. That's right. Glorifying the Father. And, yes, we will one day see them again. And we have to remember that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father.